there. Welcome to episode 55 of Stacey's Pop Culture Parlour. 55 is quite a large number and um, I'm quite impressed with myself but I'm not going to toot my own horn because I'm feeling a bit sorry for myself right now because it was my birthday yesterday which is great but I've been spending the last sort of like I've had a long like six day weekend and spent it mostly eating shit and drinking too much alcohol and my stomach literally just decided to to you know have some revenge on me like like 15 minutes into talking to my lovely guest today and we were just about to start recording the episode and my stomach went oh hello you're about to shit yourself Uh, so I had to do a runner and so now I'm feeling a bit sad and sorry for myself looking at that last bit of cake that I didn't get to eat like oh I was saving that for later but that's not gonna happen now in case my stomach explodes but anyway don't feel sorry for me because I've got loads of presents joining me (laughs) (laughs) you've got far too many presents oh tell me about it but shut up because I haven't introduced you yet okay Joining me in the parlour this month is a regular guy, and I mean that in the sense of he's been on the show quite a lot, not because he's also shitting everywhere. It's the lovely Grice. Hello, Lee. Hello. I'm regular, though. (laughs) I hope you're sitting comfortably. (laughs) On the commode. (laughs) I've told you before, you should do do the parlour on the toilet. No. Everybody, that's a special episode. Everybody wants to. Yeah, but I think that would encourage a special kind of weirdo <laughs> listener. Um, and I don't know if I want to encourage that kind of weird time. So you've got a new mic. You sound ever so good. Not that you usually sound shit, but you sound particularly good this time. Do I? Oh, yeah. that's good. No, no. Actually, I was having a horrible time with the mic. Because I updated my laptop to Windows 10. Ooh, drama. About a month ago, yeah. And since, I, since then, it's been it's been quite fine. You know, it wasn't a tip-top laptop in the first place. But it's, it's going okay. It was a bit slow. It's having to think a lot when I want to do anything complicated, like open a file <laughs> or something like that, you know? It's having to go, hang on, I know how to do this. Let me just think. I'm, I'm getting very familiar with the twirly blue circle thing. Uh, that's virtually my default kind of cursor now. <laughs> I did go through and just remove all the shit that they put on there and all the stuff that says, do you mind if we send all your stuff to Microsoft? Do you mind if we do that? And I'm going, no, untick that. Four pages of untick, untick, untick. But the, the, the only thing that's kind of annoying me is maybe I had a super fancy or super stupid laptop before, but previously, and with every other laptop I've had, if you've got your headset and plug it in, it immediately just puts all the sound through the, the headphones. Mm-hmm. Instead of through the speakers on the on the laptop, that would make sense. Yeah, that's what it does, isn't it? You just plug it in, and that's it. That's all you have to do. Uh, with this one, I plug it in, and it makes not a slightest bit of difference at all. So I was trying to listen to you know late at night, couldn't sleep. I'll I'll, I'll watch a film on my laptop, but I'll put my headphones on so I don't wake up the neighbours. And I'm thinking, these are shit. I can't hear nothing. And then it took the the headphones off, and it's the sound's coming out really loud through the through the speakers. And I thought, well, oh, no, my fucking things are knackered. And no, it's just, it's just weird. You have to just go into the settings now and just default the speakers oh. to, to headset or, or, or laptop speakers all the time. And I thought that can't be right. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's doing better. But anyway, to answer your question, no, I haven't got a new mic. Oh, okay. As you were telling that story then, I was just thinking about how every time I get a new piece of technological equipment, I usually just hand it immediately to Rich and go, will you do what needs to be done with that and then give it back to me when I can use it? Because I don't know anything about computer setup. No. I don't know why I'm the person who has a podcast, really. Yeah, I'm not I'm not one of those at all. I, I hung up, you know, like with mobile phones, it took forever for me to get a mobile phone. And then what I did, I kind of, I just stick with stuff. 
mm-hmm. once it works, it's, I mean, my, my, my first mobile phone, or my second mobile phone was literally just falling apart. It was the flip phone and they were, they were literally separate, separating away. <laughs> and I was just, eventually it just took a friend to just buy me a new phone for my birthday and just go, there you go. Just, I'm just, it makes me sad to look at you <laughs> opening that oh. like an old man whose fingers don't work and that kind of stuff, you know? Oh dear. It was tragic. Let's talk about pop culturally. <laughs> okay. okay. By the way, I listened to, to, was it the last one where we were talking with Danny Abram? Yes. And that was just fantastic. I felt I... She's beautiful, isn't she? She's brilliant. Just love to bits. And like, but I've been on there a few times. So this is like this chilled out and experiences I could get really. But I listened to, to, to that one this morning and really I had a bit of a panic because she was so good. She was. And so she? interesting. <laughs> And stuff. I mean, I was just, I was thinking, oh my God, she's, you know, she's worked on computer games like Grand Theft Auto and The Injustice and stuff like that. And she's done movies with Ardman and she's done kids' animations with the BBC and she's done her own comic and all this. And she's fantastic. I don't think I've done nothing. <laughs> I've got nothing to talk about. And I thought, how are you even going to introduce me? Apart from that, thankfully, you could just go, he's been on before, you know he is. I pretty much felt the same way the entire time I was talking. I was like, oh, why is she taking time out of the day to me? <laughs> She's so important and awesome. Yeah, I know. And she doesn't get it either. No. She, you know, she did. And she's going, oh, I'm sorry for like, blowing my own toot and all you think oh you silly cow you should be you've done this amazing this you've got the most amazing cv i'm actually amazed that i didn't know all of that about her before like she's she obviously just doesn't i didn't know she worked with ardman and as soon as you said it i was like okay don't react like you don't know because you should know but ah, (laughs) that's amazing yeah i knew she worked for ardman because we met via ardman the bunch of the ardman guys did a comic and she got in touch with me when we were doing small press big mouth and asked if we'd review it. Mm-hmm. So then we got chatting on and became friends on Twitter and stuff. So I, I knew she worked for Hardman. I knew she was do you know, did work on pirates and that kind of stuff. But I didn't know she'd worked on like Grand Theft Auto and stuff like that. And and then she and then she just dropped these little facts. Oh yeah, by the way, I worked on that DC superhero fighty game and I did, you know, all the facial animation for Harley Quinn. And you're thinking, fuck, what? You should I'd have that on a T shirt. I'd be wearing like a sandwich board around town. Going, I worked on a fucking animation for you know, a computer game that you've probably got at home. You... It'd be my Facebook stage every day. <laughs> yeah. do, do you remember that time that I animated this? Yeah. <laughs> oh, so cool. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be like, what's his name out of um, Big Bang Theory about when he's going on about when I was an astronaut and when I was in space? That would be me. Yeah. Hey, do you remember the time? I remember a funny story. Remember that time where I worked on Pirates for, for Oddman Animation? And that's the story. Just like I just thought I'd want to remind you that, uh, yeah, I'm hyper cool and more cool than you, and I've had amazing jobs. But she's, but she's so modest to to a fault, really. I think she doesn't realise at all how awesome she is, and it's it's quite bizarre. But but anyway, yes, I was listening to that, and it just did just kind of freak proper freak me out. Oh my God. And also, I have to say, I did have to skip over the bit where you reviewed Suicide Squad because I know you didn't like it and I loved it. (laughs) And I thought, I'm I'm going to have to skip this because I don't want to fall out with it just before we record. (laughs) (laughs) The thing is about Suicide Squad is that it's not awful. (sighs) That's all I'm going to (laughs) say. That's good. Just leave it at that. I think think that's the best thing. (laughs) Leave it. It's not awful. Fine. I can get behind that. 
that's good. I've had time to calm down about it now as well. (laughs) I don't think it helped that I saw it like opening weekend and that you know there was a lot of like really terrible going around it. So I was looking at the shit bits. Like that helped. I didn't. I just don't. That that one. I like I said. I proper proper enjoyed it. I really really did. It really it pushed all my buttons. Really. I'm but I'm a big fan of the comics, and I'm a big fan of I mean the original comics as well, going back to the eighties. And I'm kind of a fan of like the source material, so stuff like the Dirty Dozen and that kind of stuff. That I I get where it's coming from. I get the whole mentality of it and that kind of stuff. Whereas I know when you reviewed it, you're going I don't understand how this isn't even an idea it just doesn't make sense as an idea so but yeah so it was just just spot on for me but then again i really loved um batman versus superman as well i'm the one who really loved it so i and i feel like the loneliest man on earth sometimes Mm -hmm. where i'm watching just going no i mean i saw it three times at the cinema so i'm not faking i'm not just saying it just to be contrary and hey i'm cool because i'm going to go against the flow i proper (laughs) Love that I trust me, I'm so tight I would not go and see a film three times just out of spite. Yeah, so I really I, yeah, I had to get into Suicide Squad. Yeah, so yeah, I did have to skip the Suicide Squad review. I'll let you but, off. Uh, but then what I thought was nice though is because you had your review of Ghostbusters and you and Danny both love Ghostbusters. Now mm-hmm. I, I watched it and I thought it was okay. I didn't love it. But what I dug was that clearly you were, it was it was made, I think, for people who aren't me if you <laughs> i had my ghostbusters mm-hmm. i'm a guy i had my ghostbusters thanks very much and the stuff that you and danny were saying about it was yeah this is you know i think you were saying stuff like it's nice to see women on screen talking about science mm-hmm. and talking about sci-fi stuff rather than just talking about shoes and boys and and and, and that kind of thing you know so i, I get it and i thought yeah i mean i thought it was an okay film i could i could pick it apart critically and go yeah i think the first act was stronger i thought the middle act was a bit kind of dull and that you kind of picked up at the end and all this kind of stuff and you know holtzman i thought was fantastic and you know melissa mccarthy didn't win me over i thought she was okay i thought i was going to hate her but she was okay which is actually you know which sounds like damn with praise but actually that was a big leap up Mm -hmm. because i've hated her in just about everything yeah me too So that was that was huge. The fact that I thought she was all right is like huge. That was like when Barry Norman said that Aliens was quite good. You know, it's like fucking no. If Barry Norman thinks that's quite a, a genre movie is quite good. It must be fucking amazing. You know, <laughs> I've, I've suddenly seen sort of segued into a review of. Go- I've snuck on with a sneak review of. Go- <laughs> you you sort of review of of my last episode, which is <laughs> a bit weird. <laughs> I'm, I'm, yeah. This is, yeah, I, uh, yeah, I am, aren't I? I'm actually reviewing your podcast on your podcast as a pop culture review. That's so oh, masturbatory, really. <laughs> that presenter, she's a bit of shit. The actual she's a bit, isn't she? Complete amateur. Don't know what accent that is. is. Guess you know. uh, anyway. Anyway. Can you tell I've not actually prepared anything? I, do you want me to go for Normally I'd say to the guest, do you want to go first? But since that might mean that you might go back and like review like old episodes I've done, <laughs> shall, I just, shall I just crack on? I, well, I've got, I want to review like the text you sent me earlier on. and <laughs> You want to review the way I went for a shit before we started? <laughs> um, 
I'm just going to crack on then. Yeah, you just you make a start. Because it's been my birthday, a long weekend. Um, last Wednesday after work, because I broke up and I was like, I'm not back until next Wednesday and did a victory in the office. Um, Richard went to see Kibbo and the Two Rings. Mm-hmm. And um, it was so amazing that I wanted to see it again day with because because it was her Thursday off work. So I was like, Mum, let's go out and do awesome birthday things and we had afternoon tea and then we went to see Kubo and um, I I don't want to say too much about the story partly because it's not really what you think it is from the trailer Mm. Um, the trailer looks like a very generic sort of hero's tale sorry I've got all the burps on the brute well at least it's going up and forwards that's all I can say (laughs) yeah indeed yes so the yeah you watch the trailer it looks like boy with magical guitar powers goes on adventure and Mm. that's pretty much all that you know about it from the trailer the film itself is the the story is still a a a relatively predictable hero's journey type story like the kid has to go off and do certain things to get a bad at the end kind Mm. of story um but there's lots of twisty turny awesome bits along the way but the reason i wanted to talk about it is because i have never seen a film before that i have stared at so hard and just gone what am i looking at (laughs) it's um i think to get back on the topic of uh danny after danny saw it she tweeted like well what am i even doing trying to be an animator because this movie is just like what and I was thinking, she's exaggerating. It's not going to be that good. And then I went to see it, and I got halfway through the film before I went, shit, it's stop motion, isn't it? And I'd, <laughs> I'd completely forgotten that the whole film was stop motion. Yeah. And that just made it so, like, you cut, oh, it's just absolutely breathtakingly good animation. Like, everything about it is good. There's, like, there's like textures that you I can't figure out how they did it with stop motion like there's one part it's not spoiling anything where there's a tiny purple bird flapping around and the feathers are just like so detailed and delicate and stunning and i was just the second time i went to see it was more to look at it than to pay attention to the story anymore because i was just so like the first round i was almost overwhelmed looking at it Mm. and it's a combination of that and the gorgeous soundtrack and the amazing voice work um it's a bit it's one of those weird ones though where it's set in what looks like a sort of perhaps japanese t- uh, like village mm-hmm. but everybody has an english accent for some reason mm-hmm. but it gets away with it <laughs> just the the talent being so good yeah as it yeah. were but there were just like there was just things like the opening sequence is set at sea and there's a storm and the ocean is not only like chippity chopping around, and I say again, s- stop motion though. Mm. Uh, but there's also very clear rain hitting the surface of the water. Oh, and I was just like, what am I even? How are you? What am I even? <laughs> Halfway through the credits, they actually show like a little bit of behind the scenes stuff with this like big monstery thing. And uh, even watching that in quick time was just like, oh, I could watch a whole movie of the making of this movie. Yeah. It's just, holy crap. I've never seen anything like it. It's like, because I think it's the same studio that did Coraline, which is one of yeah. my favourite movies anyway. I absolutely adore Coraline. But it's like, I thought the animation in Coraline was really good. Imagine that, like, ten times better. Yeah. Well, Cor- yeah, because Coraline was fantastic. I, I, I've only seen it the once, but uh, but I've I've got really crap because I consider myself like an animation fan, but I'm I'm really like a dodgy fan now because 
I, I, I don't watch a lot of it. It's weird. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm huge into animation. Have you seen this? No. Have you seen Secret of the Kells? No. Have you seen Song of the Sea? No. And, I, yeah, I'm really not that... Uh, clearly, I'm a bit shit with the animation these days. But, yeah, because I, I, I'd, I'd not heard of it at all. It came out the blue for me, and I think it might have been... Yeah, it was just like there was a buzz on on Twitter. It might have been Danny, actually. God, we're just sucking Danny's cock so much. Aren't we? Jesus Christ. Jeez. And if we talk about stuff I want to talk again, she's going to get mentioned again later on. Dude, this is just terrible. So, <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Please never stop being our friends. Yeah, stalkers. So, I, I again, I, I, I'd not heard of it. It had not been on my radar, radar whatsoever. And then there was just people just talking about it on, on Twitter. And I thought, okay. And then, then it stopped from, from just talking about it to just absolutely fucking adoring it. It just went like through the roof. And I thought, okay, I'm going to have to stop paying attention to this. As a counterbalance, I thought it was terrible. Really? Yeah. Um, he, like, he appreciated the animation, but he pretty much said that being pretty doesn't make up for... Because he thought the story was just too predictable and there were he thought there were lots of gaps or, or unnecessary bits and very predictable bits. I mean, the bit that he's referring to, which I don't want to spoil because it's a bit of a revelation, though, I think is one of those things that if you don't see it coming, then it hits you in the face. And if you do see it coming, watching the other character out is... Just as my journey, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. I thought it was obvious as well, but I enjoyed knowing something that some of the other characters didn't and watching that yeah. that sort of unfold. And I can see where he's coming from with it being a bit predictable, but the problem is a lot of films are now when you think about it because, like, you're never going to get a film about a kid with magical guitar powers that's going to end up with the kid dying and the big bad winning and, like, mm. you know eating the entire town like that's yeah. not how films work <laughs> well, that's, well also you have to remember that it's been i assume anyway i don't know you'll have to tell me i'm assuming it's it's been made for kids it's like it's it's a family film i assume it's, it's much in the vein of Coraline. it's a little bit on the scary side mm. and there's some definitely slightly more adult themes in there yeah. like i think and i don't Nobody out. I've not seen anyone else commenting on this online, but there are some bits in it that are very sort of allegorical to dementia. That okay. kind of yeah stuck with me a bit as well. Mm-hmm. I tell you what, there's a scene that's uh, this absolutely gorgeous sunrise, and the colour of the lighting on the sets during the sunrise. I just honestly, I can't even get over how amazing this film looked. <laughs> Like, like, oh, so you're going to realise they're going to spoil it. Like, oh, yeah, well, we did all that with CGI afterwards. We did. Oh, all... they're not allowed to say that because I will have a little, little <laughs> tiny hit bit. There's a character in it as well who has the best facial expressions. Like, there's one bit where she does this overactive sort of like Pah! laugh and her whole face just like lights up and her eyes get all big and her smile gets all gorgeous. And I was just like, oh my God, this fucking movie. I came out like zipping around because um, we walked out of the cinema and. Uh, we didn't see the sort of making of bit in the credits when me and Rich saw it because he was just like, right, there's a terrible cover of While My Guitar Gently Weeps happening, so I'm leaving. <laughs> so <I> was, <laughs> as we walked out, he went, no. And I was like, what, that cover? Yeah, it was a bit shit, wasn't it? Uh, I don't really like the original, though, to be fair. And he was like, no, I mean the whole film. And I was just like, what? Yeah. What? what? Do we see the same movie? I don't understand. Yeah, that's really weird when that happens. Yeah. When you, you come out, I mean, I've come out of films like floating and just thinking, that's just amazing. 
and then you'll get the, the person you sit with will just go, no, I didn't like that at all. That was terrible. Yeah. You think, fucking, did we walk into separate screens? Well, this is the thing, because it's one of those films that, like, even if you don't love it, I can't say you wouldn't like it. Like, yeah. nothing about the film, to me, was, like, offensively bad. Like, anywhere near as I think he gave, like, two stars, maybe two and a half stars on Interboxed. Yeah. And I was like, so you're putting it at the same level as, like... Let's be cops, which is like yeah. a, a you know shitty fucking comedy that makes yeah. absolutely no sense. That made me titter once or twice. Like, come mm. on, man, come on. <laughs> Getting all stressed about it. But the thing is, I feel really bad now because I've been bigging it up so much everywhere that I'm really scared that I'm contributing to this hype that makes it less. Yeah. You know, because I've got this, I've got this thing at the moment. Like, there's been a lot of films that I have seen that I was expecting more of because of this level of sort of hype mm. beforehand. So I really hard, like, when I like something, to not hype it up too much, but I can't help it with Kubo. It's so good. Yeah, I was, I was, I was actually about to say that I was glad. It's almost like a relief to hear, like, Rich put it down mm. because it, the the level of hype for it, or not, it's not really hype, it's like appreciation for it gets too high and you, the, your expectation gets too high then. Yeah. Uh, and you, you just go in expecting it to be something it couldn't possibly be like i was really glad that i saw stranger things right at the start when it first came out and a friend of mine amy just messaged me and says have you seen the stranger things it's really good i think you'll like it and that was the first i'd heard about it and i watched it and just thought okay this is fucking brilliant flash forward like a couple of days later even or you know and the, the hype and it was really building then. And if I'd have seen it like a week later or something like that, I probably would have got to a point where I'm just not going to watch it. You know, just if, 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 if the level's just so big on it, it just kind of puts me off because I figure I'm just setting myself up for disappointment there because it can't possibly mm-hmm. reach that, yeah. you know. Um, maybe it's just my, my whole outsider mentality of I don't join in. So when I was a kid, I, I never joined. Like, it was all about music. So it was all, are you a new romantic or are you heavy metal or are you into this, that, or the other? I'm like, no, I'm just going to go and listen to some movie soundtracks. And nobody else did kind of thing. So I sometimes wonder if I'm, I'm kind of just kicking against the popular and just finding something because I don't want to be part. I don't like being, I'm not a joiner. I don't like being part of a group and a label and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, which is why, I mean, when we were talking about this, I said, like, don't tell me anything about about, I know nothing about it, and it's it's really nice to just go and see stuff blind, mm-hmm. if that makes sense, yeah. and having no kind of, not even like any kind of expectations, but just having no information about stuff. Because it's what I think is interesting about like the world today, you can virtually see the new big blockbuster in its entirety before the film comes out, just through trailers and clips yep. and, and all that kind of stuff. Whereas and I remember like when I was a kid, you'd kind of any kind of bit of information that came about the new about the new Star Wars films or about whatever the new Superman film would be or whatever, uh, or whatever the next big science fiction film might be at the time. You kind of leapt on that and consumed it like when, when the Tim Burton Batman film came out. Mm-hmm. You know, you had to scrabble and find stuff. There was no internet. So you you kind of if there was a photo, a single photo in the newspaper. I'd phone up my friends and go, have you seen this photo? Or like when the Judge Dredd, the Stallone Judge Dredd film came out and there was the big, the, the full length photo of Stallone in the horrible uniform. I remember phoning up my mate Matt and going, oh my God, there's a photo of Stallone as Judge Dredd in the sun and it's awful. He's got a codpiece. 
and he was like, I'm on my way over. And he drove about 17 miles <laughs> to use the <laughs> and his photo and go, that's fucking awful. And then he drove home. You know, you kind of, and it, you, you had to kind of seek out information and you, you picked up script, uh, you know, scraps and here and there. And even, even though you go back and look at like trailers from like the seventies and eighties, and they were even more spoilery than the ones today, but you didn't have the opportunity to rewatch them. Mm-hmm. You'd see them in the cinema, like live. And then uh, that was it. That was that was your, your two minutes, and that was it. Then you're into the next trailer and then the film. And by the time you left the cinema, you'd forgotten basically what you'd seen. Yeah. Whereas now you can just rewatch and rewatch and rewatch and rewatch ad infinitum, you know, mm. on your on your laptop. So I think now we kind of personally, I kind of value my ignorance mm-hmm. more than 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 any stuff. And you kind of have to just go, okay, I've seen the teaser trailer. That'll do me. This is the problem with me, though, is that like, and I've said this before, is is like I think a lot of trailers now um, are a bit too long. But there's also like two teaser trailers and then three proper trailers and then the film. So by the time you've actually, and there was a period where me and Rich were like, right, we've decided we're only going to watch the first teaser trailer to get a feel of, for whether or not we want to see this movie, mm. and then we won't watch any more trailers. But it's impossible to ignore them because they're on the telly. They're at the cinema before the things come on. They're at yeah. the start of fucking YouTube videos when you're trying to watch something else. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like... and then even if it, you're avoiding that, then some fucker will screen grab it and yeah. put the spoilery bits on Twitter. You know, like I remember when well, the Civil War and horror. Sorry, I'm going to spoil Civil War for people, but Spider-Man's in it. <laughs> and I thought, OK, I'd watch the first trailer, the teaser trailer. And like that's the thing about teaser trailers. Teaser trailers now aren't teaser trailers. They're basically normal trailers, whereas your full trailer now is basically the whole film compressed down to two minutes. It's like the old like Super 8 cine films where they used to they couldn't you know they used to just compress the whole film down into a couple of minutes so you could watch it at home and uh, now that's what the, the trailers are now and the teaser trailer is what used to be a normal trailer where it just give you like the hot spots and that was it so now yeah you, you, you try and watch i'd watch the like the teaser trailer for, for civil war and you think oh the new trailer's out and you think oh, okay i'm not gonna bother with that one and then literally my like, twitter feed was just full of screen grabs of spider-man and then there was spider-man and the, the little gifts with his eyes opening and closing to show you could see that and then there's a bit with him with the shield and i think you fuckers so yeah i can't yeah it it is it it it, 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 it does feel weird to me as like a 46 year old guy who used to just scrabble over as much information about films as you could get to then just be going i don't want to see this and kind of pushing it away and stuff it it seems really weird you know it's it's rare now to to go into a film completely ignorant of what you're going to go and see particularly like for the cinema i think yeah i don't think the advertising campaign for kubo has been that great because um i only found out about it when i think i think it was when we went to see zootopia there was a trailer for it and uh me and rich almost completely forgot about it until i think it was last week i saw the poster on the side of the bus and i was like shit is that out this week oh we should probably go and see that because we've got our cine world cards now so you know we we have to keep checking now because we want to get that money's worth we're like we have to see at least a film a week so this week uh there's nothing on oh what about that kubo and the thing was that trailer was uh what i would call perfect because it showed you enough to say right this is what the film looks like and it's gorgeous Mm. and this is what it sounds like and it's lovely these are the people that are in it right off we go i was like oh yeah i mean i saw um, there was there was a thriller out called Sicario, 
that was out last year that I I hadn't I'd seen a trailer for, it and it's about the like the drugs trade. It's about the anti-drugs, the war on drugs, and we've all seen that for a million times. And I saw the trailer for it because my brother-in-law wanted to go uh, to the cinema, and my sister didn't want to go and see it, so he just said, "Do you want to go with me? I'll treat." And I looked up and watched the trailer. And I thought. No, it looks, it looks a bit generic. I've never heard of it. It can't be very good. And I went, no. And then I thought about it for like about 20 minutes. I thought, it's a free trip to the cinema. What the fucking hell are you doing? So I'll find it back. I said, yeah, go on then. We'll go. And it just blew me away. It was a phenomenal movie. But like, and I really, one of the reasons it worked for me is that I knew nothing about it. Literally nothing. I'd seen the trailer. There was nothing memorable, particularly in the trailer at all. It was just lots of, you know, cops and lots of, you know, sinister dialogue about drugs and potential shootouts and stuff like that. I, there was nothing stuck out and it just completely blew me out. And it would become like, you know, my favorite film of that year, probably. And it, and it, it and, it, and you just kind of go, well, that was amazing to, to see stuff and just not knowing anything about it. It was just bizarre. And then, then you sort of think, well, what a shit trailer. <laughs> <laughs> How you know? You know how can you, how can such a brilliant film? But the reason is because it's a it's a fucking film. You need to watch it for two hours for it to build, and it's all long shots and and characterization, and it's all that building. It doesn't cut down to to like a sixty second trailer very well because there's nothing. There's no kind of immediate money shot that they can put in. There's no kind of giant dragon or whatever that they can put in the trailer to just make you go oh because it's all about people and you know shenanigans and plot and and stuff. And crying. What was my point? Oh yeah, so yeah, it was, it, it's weird to see stuff like out the blue because I think we're we're position where we know what films are coming out over the, like the next ten years because mm. Marvel have released their their schedule for the next until whatever it is, two thousand twenty or something. So we know, I know what I'm going to say. What my big film is going to be in three years' time, which is a bizarre kind of place to be. In. I kind of, I do kind of cling to the kind of like the post summer pre-Christmas period where kind of like the the, like the quality films tend to come out, like the, mm. the, the quality threads, like, your, you know, usual suspects and Sicario and, and that kind of thing tend to sneak out. Sometimes you just think, oh, whatever's, what film don't, know, don't I know anything about? And maybe it's worth just going to see that, you know? It's, I'm not sure where I'm, I'm making sense. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, but, but interestingly, because there's so much hype around certain big films now, other films tend to get lost, like um, Zootropolis that you mentioned. Yeah, that film was amazing. That was that was a, that was kind of like a big film, but I hadn't heard of that at all until the week it came out. And again, there was a bit of a buzz about it, and I just went to go and see it because I've got a cinema around the corner, and I fancied nipping out for the evening, kind mm. of thing. And then that was a fantastic film, but it is it is kind of um, a weird weird situation where you kind of seeking I'm seeking out ignorance. And stuff that I've not heard of. <laughs> I'm getting excited about film. I know nothing about it. It's brilliant. You know, it's a weird, it's a weird situation to be in. Sometimes I prefer. I mean, the, one of the other films I was going to talk about, which is quite a nice little segue. I probably could have done without seeing the trailers too, uh, which was Sausage Party. Um, mm. <laughs> I know you've okay, got. I just want to say I have no interest in this at all. <laughs> the thing is, I love a lot of the people who do voices in it, and a lot of the people behind the writing and stuff are mm. people that I find very funny, and I like nearly all of their other movies. Like um, Seth Rogen's involved, uh, Michael Sarah's involved, Nick Kroll's in it. There's just like a lot of like very funny people in it, and I thought, oh, this is going to be. This is going to be right up my street. I should have known, really, because that's the exact same thought I had when Dinner for Schmucks came out, and I was like, cool, I love Paul Rudd, and I love Zach Galifianakis, and I love Jermaine Clement, and then we walked out of the cinema. 
That's how yeah. bad that one was. But with Sausage Party, the problem with that film was that there was there was only maybe five particularly funny bits, and they were all in the trailer. Yeah. And so the trailer entirely ruined the movie. I mean, I was a bit intrigued anyway. For those that don't know, Sausage Party is an adult animated movie about food comes to it doesn't come it is alive the, mm. the sort of central premise to the film is that food is always alive but we just don't recognize that they are like at yeah. one point in the movie somebody takes bath salts and can see the food moving and hear it talking so the idea is that our brains i suppose aren't attuned to actually paying yeah. attention to the food that we eat or something i don't know some message yeah the, the problem with the film is that the central conceit of food being alive gets tired really fast and mm. the the other central conceit of the joke being look how phallic shaped i am and that i slide into a bun gets really really yeah. shit really fast yeah. and um <laughs> that surprised me That's, yeah i mean it's just just the title stop being funny for the second time i heard it well i was gonna i mean that place that where it was like a hero will rise. He's like that main Seth Rogen sausage is like leaning in from the side and he looks like a partially erect cock and you're like, oh, I get it. Yeah. But the, the problem with this film is that it tries to have a really big message about like like racism and stuff. <laughs> and like this is this is neither the time nor the fucking place. What a load of not because there's foods from different at like places you see yeah. and yeah. they have to work together don't you know even though they've been at war for many years yeah and it's and it really jams that down your throat as well like it's not subtle it's about it like the basalt scene was written from first-hand experience like the, the streets. i think i think there was a lot of something smoked or and or imbibed uh during the making of this film and it's a shame because um because some of the voice work in it is really good like nick kroll plays a living douche that i didn't get because i couldn't understand why the food was alive and none of the other like household implements were alive but the douche was alive but anyway still also i found out the other day that some people don't know what a douche is so to explain it is a means of essentially swilling out your fanny (laughs) well 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 phrased i i thought you were going to go with the vagina there but (laughs) That, that's um, okay. That's pretty. It's it's pretty much like a little a little cup sort of shape. Mm. It almost looks like a bell actually, with like a nozzle that you just sort of shove up there and squeeze this like cleany liquid that's in there. I think I think they sort of stopped making them when they realised they actually were probably doing more harm than good up yeah, there. Yeah, that's yeah. That's <laughs> because... I do think most people who use the word douche don't realise what it is. Yeah, yeah. I, it's... Especially I think particularly people who write movies. And they have mm. like kids saying douche an awful lot. Yeah. And I think surely that's not a PG word. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think I don't think people realise no. what it is, unless they just think it's the French word for shower. Which <laughs> it is. Possibly it, it is. is. But yeah. it's also, you know, a fanny washer. But anyway. <laughs> so Nick Kroll plays a, a a douche that goes mental. And uh it's like he's really great in it because he's he's really good at doing ludicrous over the top characters. I don't know if you've yeah. ever seen his sketch show, The Kroll Show. I didn't take to it as much as Rick because it's one of the things where the characters were too much for me. Uh, little Brit, some were really funny, and the rest of them were like, no. And then yeah. the, the the other problem with Little Britain, and I think Kroll Show suffered with it a little bit as well, but not quite so much, was that they kept telling the same jokes with the same characters 
So, you know, the joke with the guy in the wheelchair in Little Britain was that he actually could stand up, and that was the joke every yeah. time they ever did a scene. And Nick, Nick Kroll show got gets a little bit like that, but he does some really, like, potty characters, and they've got, like, really weird, distinctive voices, and the, the douche is probably the best thing about this movie. Well, I'm just trying to put together how you get a douche into a film about food. So the film opens with the whole of the store of groceries singing a song about how they're going to go to the great beyond. Oh, yeah, because this is a film really about religion as well. Actually, it's more <laughs> about religion than it is about racism. So they're singing a song about how they can't wait to get picked and, you know, they're going to go to the great beyond and the gods are going to take care of them because humans are the gods. And la, 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 everything's going to be great when they get bought, blah, blah, blah. And so the the sausages in question and the hot dog bun in question and the douche fall out of a trolley. They've been chosen by a woman, but they fall out of a trolley when a jar of mustard gets brought back to the store because the bloke's like, oh, I thought it was French mustard and I wanted... American or whatever, you know, whichever way. Mm. And uh, and he's he's threatening to kill himself in the edge of the trolley because he's like, I've been on the outside, man. It's not what they tell you it is. Oh, you know, tries to like throw himself off the side of the the trolley, and then the resultant bunch of food diving out to try and rescue him causes a bit of a scene and things fall out of the trolley and the douche blames the sausage and the bun for ruining his chances of getting into that lady's vagina <laughs> in the great beyond. <laughs> It sounds like a classic kind of. It does. I'm sure this will be up for Oscars. It's. This year. Um, I mean, the problem with it is, is it's not even redeeming in its animation or anything like the. Mm. Uh, it's very. The, the humans in it are very stylized, but in a completely shit way. Like mm. they all have like like stick thin necks but giant bulbous heads, and like the ladies all have like massive hips and they just look so weirdly proportioned mm. the animation's not very good and the dialogue's not very good and that the i couldn't accept as well the hot dog bun when she spoke like she spoke like through the slit in the bun if that makes sense yeah. so her mouth was vertical rather than horizontal couldn't yeah. accept that whole movie driving me crackers hated it you can't have a sideways mouth it makes no fucking sense <laughs> i was saying with cars you know where they got the eyes in the windscreen yeah and i'm like no the car's eyes are the headlamps. Every kid knows that. Yeah, of course they are. You know, oh. the, the, the rich kid is the brain, for fuck's sake. That's where people say that's the brain shell. The eyes of the car are the fucking headlamps. That's basic. So I couldn't get past that kind of ruin. Yeah, I've really proper got. Well, it's one of those things as well where if the movie had been better, I'm sure it wouldn't have bothered me so much. But because mm. I was getting bored, I was picking up on bits yeah. and yeah. being really like arsy about bits. So then, like, the whole rest of the movie just becomes Seth Rogen's sausage character trying to find out the truth behind the gods and what we should be believing. And then it turns out like some non-perishable products yonks ago have made up that stuff just to make people feel better about going to the great beyond because they didn't want people to be scared all the time mm. <laughs> and uh it's really unsubtle about this and so he tries to like go and change everybody's mind but he does it by shouting around and being an arsehole you know like... this is reminding me of, this is reminding me of something and i can't think what it is it's it's not only is it sounding rubbish it's sounding unoriginal and i can't think what it is it feels to me like i can't place exactly where all the ideas are coming from but it felt to me like they were aiming for something that the south park creators might do but mm. with none of the, the subtlety or tact or yeah. or humor I don't, I don't know it's just it's just it's just sounding like you're describing like another film mm. about something else but it's all the same stuff and i don't know what it is it's it's bugging me now it's gonna <laughs> 
Oh, you're really going to fucking... I'm going to have to go through IMDb and just go through animated films throughout history and just go through the whole thing and go, oh, yeah, it's all dogs go to heaven or something like that, you know? It's, um, and, it's a really good movie. It's uh, like, I'm not a high-brow comedian type. Like, I can appreciate a good dick and fart joke, but... You can't have, like, 20 dick jokes in a movie and expect me to have them all be funny. Like, by the mm. time I get to, like, the fourth or fifth one, I'm like, is that all you got? You got nothing else? Yeah, yeah. The only other joke I found quite funny was there was every now and again they'd say something that sounded a bit like a, like a, a product that might be in the store. Like, at one point somebody says, okay, so blah, 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 and some queso appears, and he's like, what did you call me? And there's a running joke like, like that. But even then, like, after the third or fourth time, it's like, huh? Mm. Uh, have you heard about the like the furore after it came out about the animators? I heard it, but I didn't do too much looking into it because it made me sad. Because I like yeah. to think of Seth Rogen as quite a nice man. Like he does a lot of work for like Alzheimer's charities mm. and stuff. So I like to think of him as not being an ass. Yeah. So I didn't really want to. I just sort of I'm going to do an ignorance is bliss here and just not look into <laughs> it. Yeah, well you did. You did. I mean, you have to wonder how much does he know about it? You know, it was. Mm. I mean, it's his production company, I guess. But uh, and he did. The voices for it, but I don't know how. How did he direct it, or was he? I don't know if he'd be there every day. Yeah. But yeah, there was just some very dodgy stuff about you know dodgy working practices and uh, unpaid overtime and all that kind of stuff. And anybody who quit didn't get a credit, no, even if they worked on it for a year and all that kind of stuff and a load of credit. And you know, apparently, there was like a lot of the footage that was in the trailer was by animators who never got a credit. Okay. on the actual film and all that kind of stuff it all seemed a bit dodgy but it's you know, i gotta say it's a film that i just right from the start i just thought that's not my mm. bag but then again i've got a real problem with like modern comedies anyway the current like batch of comedies coming out just aren't my cup of tea at all and i know i sound like a really old fart when i say that like because i know when we keep going on oh, eddie murphy's really, oh he's too sweary eddie murphy's far too sweary and all that kind of stuff and i just feel like that but it's, I just don't get the the whole like the Paul Feig stuff and mm. the um you know the the forty year old virgin knocked up and that kind of school of comedy just doesn't doesn't work for me that kind of semi improvised mm. stuff where you think but they're not actually coming up you can't just make shit up it has to be funny as well anybody can just mumble shit over mumble shit that sounds like a great name for a band <laughs> anyway you can't just mumble shit repeatedly and then make something it has to be funny it has to be clever you can't just keep spewing crap out up you know mm. so uh, yeah so i kind of struggle with comedies i mean i like a, i like even if it's a dumb comedy and i like a dumb comedy i like airplane that's a dumbass comedy and dumb and dumber is the dumbest film you could fucking oh, see but God, that's it's so, so good well, but that, that script is so well crafted you know they've fucking sweated balls over that script so yeah, I'll I'll go for I'll watch a dumb dumbass film, you know, highbrow or lowbrow, I don't care. But I want it, I want it to be, you know, do your do your fucking job and do some work on it. Don't mm. just throw some shit onto some celluloid and and go see. Look how funny we are. We can make stuff up. I'm going, yeah, but it has to be clever. You can't just, <laughs> you know, we have to be impressed. Just making stuff up isn't a fucking old kid can just make stuff up. But yeah, so yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a film that really. I don't know. It's just one of those ones. I just thought, no. That's never going to trouble my eyes. I wouldn't go out of my way to see it. And mm. like I say, it's such a shame because it's got so many... I know I'm missing loads of people who've done voices in it that are like, you know, like SNL cast members and, you know, all mm. sorts of like, you know, high-up types. But there, there's, there's a lot of that going on, but it's just like throw names at it. There was, there mm. was that big 
one that came out, I can't think it was film 64 or something like that. I can't remember what. It was just like a number. It was like supposedly just a bunch of sketches. It was basically like a fast show thing, which was lots of little sketches. Mm-hmm. And it just got like a really just everybody in Hollywood was in it. And uh, and it just turned out to be dire because the sketches were... Attra- and it, basically the pull was to see people doing comedy sketches that you wouldn't expect to see comedy sketches. Mm-hmm. I don't know, like, I don't know, Scarlett Johansson doing dick jokes and stuff like that, you know, yeah. or, or whatever it was. And it was, I ended up... I think I saw about, like, five minutes of it and just thought, nah, done. Mm-hmm. Not, not even going to persevere with that one. But again, like I say, I'm the guy who liked Batman versus Superman, so... <laughs> what can I say? <laughs> You know. The thing is, I don't think I'd be so cross at Batman versus Superman if I wasn't already getting a bit tired of superhero films. See, this is this is yeah, this is the argument that really isn't me at all mm. because I'm old enough to have basically spent four fifths of my life gagging for fucking superhero films <laughs> and mm. having nothing. Yeah, nothing. You know, I remember what it was like where the Hulk was Lou Ferrigno. Mm-hmm. was a, basically a bodybuilder painted green. That was your fucking Hulk, and you'll be happy for it. Mm. I remember when Spider-Man didn't have Uncle Ben. There was no Uncle Ben in his origin at all, and Spider-Man didn't swing anywhere because they couldn't do that in the 70s. They couldn't have him swing. I think they had one swing shot, and it was too dangerous, and they fucking didn't do it again. <laughs> just, so, just that one over and over again. Yeah, so it was like, <laughs> someone went stand, like, someone would just like, fuck no. Uh, and he was just climbing walls, and that's all it was, you know? So, and I'm just in a position where I'm still, I, I am not in the even slightly bored mm. of superhero movies yet. See, I uh, think the problem for me is that, and I, I know it sounds like I'm being an interesting I'm not. I could easily just not go and see these movies, and I, I'm, I'm not saying they shouldn't make these films just because I'm getting bored, because they absolutely should. I think you are. I think that's exactly what you're saying. Filmmakers should make all films all the time so that yeah. there's choice. <laughs> that's what yeah. I want. I want a land where everything's being made so I can fucking see whatever I want. Yeah. But the problem for me with superhero movies at the moment is the Marvel ones are almost all the same, but insert different hero here Mm. they're very formulaic and whilst they're like whilst they're very good in the sense of they're well filmed and the cgi is pretty good in most of them captain america first avenger i'm looking at you the uh and the humor is pretty good in most of them they are very similar and if you don't gel with the lead actor or the lead character like thor i can't get behind Mm. thor because i find thor insanely boring and i think what space james that is insanely boring so Mm. watching those the thor movie to me was like what paint draw so this is this is what i really dig about the situation we're at now is up until what five years ago or ten years ago as a comic book fan or a superhero fan you basically had to go and see every single superhero film that came out because that was it. We're you know, so you knew that kind of Batman versus Robin was going to be uh, Batman and Robin was going to be shit. But you had to go anyway because you weren't going to get another superhero film for another three or four years, maybe or maybe not. You know, so you'd go and see Superman three, and you'd go and see Superman four, and you'd go and see fucking Steel or Meteor Man or stuff like that because, and they were all garbage. But you had to go and see them because. You wanted to see a superhero film, and that was it. That's all you got. Whereas now, I think we're in a, a brilliant position where you can actually pick and choose 
you know, there's enough coming out now. See, that's the problem, though. The problem is when you run a podcast and you have a very nerdy husband, I can't really pick and choose. Like, I pretty much have to go and see them all. Well, your marital issues are between you and Rich, (laughs) you know? Yeah. I think this is why I love Deadpool so much, though, is because it felt really different. Even though the story was pretty similar in terms of, like, here's his origin, uh, here's, here's where he is now oh no, someone's done a bad thing, he's going to have to deal with it. But because the sense of humour was so different and the fighting styles and sequences were amazing, and like I think that's why I latched onto that. I saw that four times in the scene because I thought, like, this is a superhero movie, but he's not really a superhero, it's brilliant. And I think, like, there's the potential for other movies. Like, I'm looking forward to um, Captain Marvel a lot, but I really hope, really, really hope they have a lot of the sort of female friendships part of the storylines yeah. in there. Because, like, one of the best things about the Kelly Sue DeConnick um, Captain Marvel run was the, the friendship she had with the other women. And I think this is, again, why I liked Guardians of the Galaxy so much, because it was off in space and it was, like, a whole different thing. Well, I think this is... this is Actually, this is where I disagree with you being, with you, being no, different or, or, or all being the same. Is I think they're pushing... They're all coming at different... But they you kind of forget how dangerous or how risky, really, not dangerous, how risky the Marvel movies are. I mean, just making an Iron Man movie would seem stupid. It seemed like, well, nobody knows who Iron Man is at the time. So just making an Iron Man movie seemed like commercial suicide because no one cares. No one knows who Iron Man is and no one cares. So it's doomed. And then they made, like, Thor... And like, well, you can't possibly. Thor was too silly. You know, okay, Iron Man worked, but that was grounded in reality. But Thor was like fantasy. So that's not going to work. Nobody's going to go and see that. And that kind of worked. So I mean, to be fair, I think we're still really kind of in early days, you know, of of like the, of the superhero movie kind of genre. Really, I think we're kind of going through the stuff where we have to do where they're kind of doing the working through the the like the, the variations first and all the stuff that's been in the comics for forever and you take for granted i mean like like the captain america movie like set in world war Two. again that was seen as well nobody's going to want to sit go and see films set in the past aren't popular so that seemed like a stupid idea they should have set captain america in the present and all that kind of stuff and these are called i'm like guardian of the galaxy no even comic book fans hadn't heard of Guardians of the Galaxy, and that just seemed again that just seemed like stupid. Mm. So although they're doing, it, it seems now in retrospect that these were like slam dunks and really obvious that they're, they're kind of really kind of pushing things out and stretching things out in a way that was is is, is actually kind of risky in a way. Yeah, you, you can you can sort of go well, you know, it's about time they had a female character, and it is time they had a, a, a female lead character. Mm-hmm. But you, you kind of forget that how how risky it is. I mean, look at like when Ant Man came out, that was doomed. You know, if you if you believe like the the like the advanced word on that, or if you believe the, the kind of like the critics on that, that was doomed before it even come out, because Ant Man, no no one gives a shit about Ant Man. Mm. Even comic book fans don't give a shit about Ant Man. It's even the wrong Ant Man. So even the fans who like Ant Man don't even know who this Ant Man is. Apart from me, I was like hate, hate shit for fucking Scott Lang, but that's beside the point. So it's again, I get I get where people are coming from when they go, well, it's all the same. Oh, you know, they're all quite samey. But at the same time, I do think they're, they're, they're playing a very clever game and they're pushing things out a bit at a time and it's taking 
because it is such a huge risk of these films are such a huge risk if they fuck it up as we as we see from like the DC movies and all that because they would they're very easy to tear apart mm. if you don't dig them and they they are I mean like I said before we're finally getting around to having like Black Panther and 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 Captain Marvel and stuff like that and I think. And what's I mean, what's interesting about Black Panther is we I think for the first time oh no we had Blade as well but you could argue that's horror rather than superhero I think and we're actually getting like a, a superhero movie with a black lead that's not a spoof because up until now any time there's like a superhero spoof movie I'll stick a black character in, a black actor in there and be a black lead because it's almost like you can't take a black superhero you know seriously it's automatically a joke if it's a black superhero mm. like I think it was Meteor Man and then there was another one that I can't remember the name of. I can't remember what it's called now, but it, yeah. So it's it almost like, yeah. So I think they are they're, they're getting there, but it, it, it's going to take. It, it is taking a while, and I think that one of the reasons that people think like, oh, there's too many superhero movies now, is because now we're actually getting as many superhero movies as we are other genres, mm-hmm. or it seems that because we've gone from nothing to like four or five a year. And even four or five a year is nothing compared to the amount of rom-coms you get mm. or the amount of cop movies you get or, God forbid, the amount of horror movies you get. I mean, last year I saw, at the end of last year, there was a website did their sum up of the best 75 horror movies. fifteen, And I thought, the best 75, not all 75 <laughs> ranked, the best 75. It does show you, you know, when people go on about there's too many horror mm. movies, I thought, well, uh, superhero movies, I think, well, if you can, if you can name them, there's not that many. I think That's... I just, I just need to stop going to see all of them out of some misplaced sense of, well, you call yourself a pop culture type Yeah, bird, I, think, like... I, think that, I think that's that's a thing, because you wouldn't dream about going to see every rom-com. God, no, I saw an advertisement for Bridget Jones' baby, and that was enough to make me want to do a seek. <laughs> so... so I think now we just have to get to the, you know, the, the mentality of you don't need to go and see everything. And I think because of Suicide Squad and because of Batman vs Superman, people are actually getting where you go, okay, I'm not going to like everything. I get that people don't like that, you know, that the, the, the DC movies are very different to the Marvel movies. And I like that. I like that the, there's a difference because I don't want everything to have the same flavor to it. I like the, the, the ironically, what I find ironic is that the, the DC are doing the darker movies and Marvel's doing the lighter movies where in the comics traditionally, and, and by tradition, I mean like when I was a kid. So you're talking about the eighties, Marvel did the, the dark, ish superhero stuff like with the x-men being you know outlaws and that kind of stuff and you know spider-man was a vigilante and an outlaw and all that kind of stuff and and dc did the light goofy bright stuff you know so i'm just finding that as an ironic twist but yeah i think i think it would just get to a point i mean i've got i can see this film's coming like i've no particular interest in the cyborg movie particularly Um, I've no real interest in the X-Men, any more X-Men movies or the next Wolverine movie. I but haven't I'll, seen I'll... Um, Apocalypse yet. It's, it's okay. It's, it's okay. It's not, you know, fantastic, mm. but it's all right. I mean, I'm more interested now in the Spider-Man movie since they've done the deal. When it was coming down to, like, Amazing Spider-Man 3, I was kind of like, yeah, I don't think I'll bother seeing that. Yeah, one. Amazing Spider-Man 2 was one of the worst films I've ever actually was... seen. But here's, here's what I think is, in, or what my point is, that... 10 years ago or 15 years ago, that would have been about as good a, the best superhero film you could have seen. <laughs> because superhero films have now come so on so much, that looks shit. But that would have been tip top in the 90s. Mm. That would have been the best you could have looked for, you know? And, and I think now, like the X-Men movies that are coming out now, 
I'm finding them very kind of you know entertaining, but I've no desire to mm. to to watch Apocalypse again or, or buy it on DVD or anything like that. And it, it just seems you know amazing to me to think that you know. I'm at a point where I can go, I'm not really fussed about an X-Men movie. I don't know whether for me as well, it's a little bit of just film fatigue in general. Because, you know, Rich doing this film a day thing this year, I've, yeah. I haven't watched as many with him because there have been days where, like, he's been a couple of films behind, so he's got up early on a Saturday and watched two movies before I'm even out of bed. But I've yeah. I've, I've come to really appreciate, like, a solid 90-minute movie. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> like, sometimes you'll go to the cinema, and even if, that, like, for example, Civil War, I don't think Civil War was bad. It had problems, um, mm. but I felt like I was in the cinema for three years when I watched that I, film. Yeah. I was I I was looking at my watch, yeah, and I was like, like this film could have been good if you'd have shaved a few bits here and there or, like, split it into two, maybe, I don't know. But, like, all I want to do now is my bum's gone to sleep. I just want to move. I want to move around. I want to check my phone, and I can't because I'm in the fucking cinema. (laughs) And I was getting really het up because I was just like, isn't it ended yet? And then they build (laughs) up to that, like, big thing in the fucking airport. I thought, oh, it's coming up to the end then. And then there's, like, another fucking 45 minutes after that and i was like what more is there to say we've had a fight everyone's doing a sad like the end do you know i do that i mean i love aliens right the film aliens i fucking adore it one of my top 10 favorite films now but like the director's cut is like nearly three hours long mm-hmm. and i get to the point have you seen aliens before yeah, yeah. quite recently okay. oh yeah you have yeah <laughs> because I, I had no respect for your interviews yeah. um yeah, I get to the point where you know they're, they're kind of you know, the, the place is blowing up and uh, all that kind of stuff, and you, th- you think they're going to go. I think, oh no, no, she's got to go and rescue Newt. And it's like, oh fucking hell, it's another fifteen, twenty minutes to get through. Then you think, okay, she's rescued. Her, thank fuck. And then, and then, oh Christ, no, there's all the stuff with the Queen on the dropship to get through. Yeah, and that's another ten minutes. And it's like, oh fuck, I was ready for this to be finished. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a film I love. But at a certain point, you just go, okay. I mean, first time it's like, oh my god, there's more of this. There's more of this. But um, I, I, I do get it. You know, I do get the, the, the kind of fatigue. And I think that I think that the again with with as with like anything, I think variety helps. You know, a very diet. Mm. I think if all you're going to see, and this is not actually the you as in the general me. And everybody, if all you go and see is like the, the big blockbusters, then you are going to be fatigued. Mm-hmm. And it's, it is heat because there's so many big films coming out in a year now. I mean, literally, it, it's amazing that there will be there's big films all year. It used to be just the summer. Now it's all year mm-hmm. from Christmas to, to Christmas, you know? That you, you kind of, yeah, you know, it, it is, you know, you, you have to try and mix things up and stuff. I mean, I can't remember the last time I went to see a comedy at the cinema, to be honest. Because now I'm I'm so kind of adjusted. The my mentality is all about you go to the cinema for big films now. Mm. You don't go to the cinema to watch something you could watch on telly. I think I think the last comedy I saw at the cinema was probably World's End or something like that. And even that's like an apocalyptic. And that's a couple of years ago now as well, wasn't it? Yeah. So I haven't. I can't remember. Oh no, I'm lying. I went to see um, Hail Caesar. Uh, Was that this year or last year? I think that was last year. that's probably yeah the last pure comedy I've been to see. You know, that's the Coen Brothers, so yeah, they're almost like a you know you accept the well you got to go and see a fucking comedy, you know the Coen Brothers films. But yeah, I think it's just a case of you know just just trying to look for other stuff and, and try and you know go and see the blockbusters and that and get excited about them, enjoy it, but have a look at the other stuff like the Sicarios and 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 that kind of thing, you know, that comes out because I end up you end up catching those 
on DVD or Blu-ray and going, why the fuck did I go and see this? Mm. Yeah, right? I think that's mostly why we got our Cineworld cards back because um, we used to have them back when, like before we moved in with each other, like the thing we used to do once or twice a week was meet up and go to the cinema mm. because it was halfway between both of our houses pretty much. So we'd do that um, and we used to see like loads of movies in a year and then I think the first year we lived... To get together in the house, we saw about 10, so we were like, oh, fuck it, we'll get rid of the cards. And then it dropped to, like, we only saw three movies that came out that year. And yeah. uh, last year, Rich turned round to me and he was like, we can't keep watching, like, awesome, amazing films on our teeny tiny TV. Like, we're getting the Sydney World cards back. I was like, all right, cool. Yeah. And, uh, and to be fair, I have I have seen a lot of films this year that have been really, like, um, I watched The Nice Guys the other day. That's a really good yeah. Oh, that's a fantastic movie. film. So far. Yeah. I love Shane Black. Yeah. I've just noticed how much we've been blathering and I haven't really let you talk about anything that you've seen or, or read. <laughs> I, what do you want to I've just, I, I feel like I've been talking non-stop and you <laughs> well, barely had a word in. The thing is, I've got one really big thing I want to talk about. So, and I don't want to, I don't want to like not give you enough airtime. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, one of the things I wanted to mention was, uh, have you seen Fleabag? No. Which is like a, a comedy show that was on the BBC. It was on BBC Three, and then I think it's just... I think it's it's running now on, like, BBC Two. Again, sucking Danny Abram's cock. She was going on about it on Twitter, and I thought, okay, I'll give that a go. It doesn't sound like my cup of tea, but fuck it, there's nothing else on. And it's brilliant. It's basically... It's just a, a, like a, a, a sitcom about the life of this, just this woman who's kind of like, it's it's one of those kind of cynical, nihilistic, narcissistic, um, dysfunctional contemporary comedies where it's just following their life and they're a horrible, horrible person who's really horrible to their family and friends, but they're really funny with it. And normally I don't like that sort of stuff at all, but this is really, really well written. Like I was saying before about, well, I like comedies where they've written the shit out of that script they they've put some thought into it you know and it's directed and this they've really thought about the shots and all that kind of stuff and it's fucking some brains behind it and that's what this is i mean it's written and stars a woman called and let me look at my notes phoebe waller bridge who i'd never heard of before but she's amazing in this they i've heard it be compared to like a modern kind of what was that what was that fucking thing you just mentioned about the baby the chick flick oh, bridget, bridget jones, jones. Yeah, like a, like a modern Bridget Jones or like a, a you know a millennial Bridget Jones, and it's been compared to girls and stuff like that, which I'm I'm not really interested in. That that's no. kind of down like, but I fucking love this, and I'll tell you for why, and you'll go, well, duh. The first joke in the first episode is about anal sex, <laughs> where she's having sex with her boyfriend, and she, it's it's where she will it's it's shown the way where she she'll talk to the people and then she'll address the camera. She'll talk to the camera. <laughs> talk to the audience and so she's having sex with this guy and he's behind her and she's got and she says like oh oh he's going in the back kind of thing you know and they end up having anal sex and he's like whispering sweet nothings in her ear and saying something like oh normally i'm i'm too big for most girls this is amazing thanks for letting me do this kind of stuff and then she just kind of looks at the camera and goes yeah i've got a really big arsehole <laughs> and that is where it won me over oh dear i thought okay I'm I'm in for the duration, and and it is and it is just really just so well written and so well performed, and it's just about her kind of relationships, and it's it's really really fucking funny, just proper proper laugh out loud funny, mm -hmm. but it's also really smart and kind of dark and really kind of touching as well, mm -hmm. 
and really relatable. There's a, there's an ongoing thread about her. She runs a, a calf, uh, like a like a, a posh little cafe thing. Oh, and there's a really good gag actually because like the 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 cafe is kind of failing, and there's a nice little vignette where a guy comes in to the calf, sits down, and she says, "Oh, can you get you anything?" And he goes, "No, thanks." And he kind of takes out his laptop and plugs in his laptop and takes out his iPad and plugs in his iPad to the socket and he takes out his iPhone and he plugs in his iPhone to another socket uh, because and then oh there's but there's not another socket so he takes out like an adapter <laughs> and plugs that into the socket and he's basically just charging up all his shit in the calf kind of stuff which is like a really funny little vignette anyway and um, so there's her partner her best friend we find out had killed herself or had died in a in a kind of <laughs> died in a botched suicide attempt in that she was attempting to kill herself but not really right basically she'd had a horrible breakup with a boyfriend and wanted to hurt herself badly so she was in hospital so he would come to her in hospital and appreciate that he nearly lost her and all this kind of stuff so to achieve this, she decided to walk into a, um, a bicycle lane because well a bike's not going to kill you but it'll it'll you know break something and I'll go to hospital but I'll be okay so she gets hit by this bike and it turns as they say it turns out that bikes go really fast and hit really hard and she got knocked into the road and got hit by a car and caused a smash and like four people died kind of thing and this is this is kind of like the mentality of that it's very dark but funny but dark and not funny but it's really funny and i'm not really not selling it very well but it's fucking brilliant again really relatable she it's it's there's a lot of sex in it and a it's, it's, it's weirdly body positive in, in in a strange way in that it's and it feels very real the sex feels quite real in there mm. and that she's she's kind of she's a bit of bit of a sex addict i guess and it's not entirely healthy but her kind of relationships to men and with sex and stuff like that are really kind of relatable and properly human and it's like the best fucking thing i've seen written on tv for a good long time and you know olivia uh, what's her name olivia coleman actress mm-hmm. olivia coleman who's fucking brilliant she's in this as, as the main character i think the main character is called fleabag i think that's her nickname although i don't think it's actually said uh, she's her stepmom and she says and she doesn't get on with her stepmom and she says she's a cunt complete cunt and you think okay and then you meet her and she's like really nice because she's olivia coleman so she's lovely <laughs> And sweet, and she's an artist, and she's delightful. And this is the genius of Olivia Coleman. She, she plays her lovely and sweet, and then like, right at the last second, she says something completely bitchy at the, and really fucking nasty and kind of passive-aggressive and a proper kick in the balls. And then the, 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 the Fleabag character kind of looks at the camera and goes, see? And you go, oh, that's so well done. And Olivia Coleman's so good that she really plays this kind of, on the surface, really sweet but underneath a devious bitch kind of thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it is just essential viewing. It is, uh, you know, I, I absolutely adored it. It's one of the things where, because it had been it had been on um, BBC, four, is it four or three? Which one did they shut down? Was it three? They shut three, down? I think, yeah. Yeah, so it was on BBC four. So it was on the iPlayer while it was, you know, although it was like on BBC, going on, running on BBC two, all the episodes were on the iPlayer. So I ended up chaining through all six episodes in one go virtually i think i think actually no it was in two i think i watched episode one and two thought this is fantastic i watched them at stupid o'clock at night and then watched the rest the next day but it's brilliant brilliant stuff and you, you just think it's just just, just just really just well well written 
and the way it balances the like the comedy and the drama, and particularly, I think it's in the last episode, you find out the true story behind or the the actual events behind why her friend killed herself and what happened there. And it's just heartbreaking and just so cleverly done. It becomes, and, and then it, it switches from being like the best comedy you've seen all year to like one of the best dramas you've seen all year. Mm. It's just phenomenal. I love when a show can sort of flip flop like that because I was mm. um, arguing up Rick and Morty to people the other day uh, again, mm. you know, as I am wont to do. You really? I, I wasn't <laughs> aware that you've seen it. <laughs> Did you I even know I liked it? On my list? And that, like one of my favourite things about it is that you can be watching an episode and like literally crying laughing mm. and then at the end it delivers like such an emotional gut punch yeah. that you're like where the fuck did that come from because it what it does well is it doesn't do that like every episode so you don't you get lulled into this false sense of comedy security <laughs> and then when something big does happen it's like Froomp, and you're like oh my god my emotions <laughs> it is i mean what it does and again, like Rick and Morty is the kind because I don't like that kind of kind of shock comedy particularly, or I get bored of it very quickly. But that one really kind of Rick and Morty really wore me over because it starts off being that kind of goofy, stupid stuff, but then it'll throw in some proper like horror or a proper science fiction idea, or like I say, real like the relationship between the um, Morty's family, like his his parents and his sister. They're kind of uh, interpersonal relationships, like the the marriage and and that kind of stuff. It's genuine. They're not playing that for well, they are playing it for laughs, but it all, but at the same time, it's those are proper relationships. They're they're writing and they're kind of their marital breakdown is fucking heartbreaking. <laughs> at the same yep. time, is it being hilarious? Yeah, it's just so well done. It's a hard, it's a really hard trick to pull off. I think. Yeah, sorry, I mean, I'm talking. Yeah, carry on. You were talking about stuff. No, I think you were talking about stuff. I just, <laughs> I distracted you from talking about Fleabag. No, oh, oh, yeah, so yeah, that Fleabag. Yeah, I think, I think you'd really dig it. It's, it's mm-hmm. very well done. It is. It's one of those things. Like I don't generally, I don't like uh, films or TV series about unlikable people. Mm-hmm. For example. I, I keep trying to watch Martin Scorsese movies and hating them all the time because I, I consider myself a, like a cinephile and a cinema buff, and he's an amazing filmmaker. But I just don't like the films he makes because he seems to like films about horrible people who are really unlikable. Like Raging Bull is a despicable film about a horrible man. Mm-hmm. I thought, I don't know why somebody would want to make a film about this guy. And the same as with like Goodfellas. I'm watching thinking, these are horrible, horrible people. Why are you making a film about these horrible, horrible people? And then during the week, I watched Wolf of Wall Street mm-hmm. and got about, actually, I got about an air into it and thought, why am I watching this? What a shit movie. Horrible, horrible. Just... This horrible film about these despicable, disgusting. It's a film repub- about assholes and Leonardo yeah. DiCaprio gurning. Yeah. I thought, why am I watching this shit? So I don't like stuff about. Generally, I you know that can be kind of be that can be complex characters and they can be flawed characters, but I I kind of have to kind of want to be on their side mm-hmm. if you know in some way you know like for example it, like Dexter he's a fucking you know the series Dexter he's a serial killer but they they find a way of make him likable and redeemable you know so whereas if he was just a <laughs> until regular, that series where he wanted to bone his own sister and yeah until until you series <laughs> seven which we don't talk about we don't talk about that, the writers fucking gave up on it so yeah. let's just bother. <laughs> so that yeah fuck that man did you have to remind me sorry yeah so generally i don't like that kind of nihilistic kind of um, comedy particularly like i said with girls 
I, I didn't I couldn't get into that because I didn't like anybody. I've never watched it. I, I couldn't cling on to anybody and yeah, and like Sex in the City and stuff like that. Yeah. I, I know I'm oh guys, so I'm not supposed to like that stuff, but yeah, there's a lot of nudity in it, so it's totally in my kind of wheelhouse, honest. But I kind of don't yeah, I get uh, yeah, it didn't it did it didn't but yeah, but fleabag. Yeah, I read up on. Funny enough, I read a couple of reviews of it about it the other week, and they were saying about it. One of the one of the highlights, or one of the you know, one of these websites had the seven reasons you should be watching Fleabag, and one of the reasons was because your your boyfriend won't get the jokes. And I just thought, oh, you fucker! I totally got the jokes. I you know, I dug it. You know, I reckon I I've got friends. <laughs> you know, I'm a human being. I've got female friends. They talk to me. I get the you know the references. I know, you know, what a dickhead boyfriend looks like and stuff like that. I, I, you know, I can relate. And it's really interesting that she's clearly a very damaged character. And it has some interesting things to say about, I don't want to make it sound too heavy, but like a bit mental health and, 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 and that kind of stuff. Like say, uh, like uh, uh, attitude towards sex is clearly a bit not 100% healthy and that kind of stuff. You know, yet at the same time, you can see she's struggling and she does some like really despicable things, but you kind of, like her for any kind of you, know, you don't necessarily approve but you're gonna go yeah i kind of get why she did that like like she stole a statue from like a statuette from a stepmom's studio so she could flog it uh, and stuff like that and you kind of go yeah that's that's a horrible thing to do but yeah she's a cow and that kind of stuff you know and then and that, i mean that's a whole prolonged kind of subplot or a running joke really about this statue it gets stolen and tries to you know sell it on and blah 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 but but yeah the the, the short thing is you really want to watch it well it's see great. you saying that like everything you've said about that reminds me of i think you mentioned it to me in a text earlier that you've been watching you're the worst yeah yeah um that program for me i me and rich watched the first like two episodes i think of is it on is it just starting series two or three I think it, it's just starting series three because mm. I didn't realise there'd been a series two. So I watched the first episode of series three thinking, what the fuck's going on? Yeah. And then realised I'd missed a whole season. Well, we watched the first two episodes of series one and we were like, both of these people are arseholes. I don't, I don't know what I'm doing watching this. And we fell away from it for a bit. But then a few people said to us, no, nah, no, nah, stick with it. It gets better. And then, um, like, for me, You're the Worst has possibly one of the best depictions of, of depression that yeah. I've ever seen in, in anything I've watched um, because it shows a really ugly side because one of the things that really bothers me about portrayals of mental health in anything is that people are either like twitching on the bus and you know I spasming crazy mm. people like looking like lunatics or it's it's sort of romanticized mm. like oh i'm so desperate my boyfriend left me i'm going to mm. smoke this cigarette in black and white and look oh so pretty while i have a little tear running down my cheek i think actually crazy ex-girlfriend did a song about that about how she was going to be a i think i can't remember it's something like depressed like a french girl in a movie and everything was in black and white and she looked beautiful and that like she was smoking cigarettes out of like you know those what are they called those like little yeah they're just smoking like she just looks gorgeous with like a headscarf on and sunglasses and that like that really bothers me because even though i know the anxiety and the depression that i suffer from is insanely mild compared to some people Mm. um shouldn't have used the word insanely there (laughs) (laughs) it's really incredibly mild (laughs) compared to some people's like there are still some days where it, it genuinely like is an issue for me to like 
get ready to go out for a party or yeah. like just the idea of, like some days when I'm at work I'll sit at my desk and eat my lunch because I don't want to speak to people in the lunchroom even though I know and like everyone there there's just some days where I'm just like I can't handle human contact yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah. want to do it and I, I don't know if have you seen series two now have you gone back and watched no no I haven't no I've oh. got to go back I literally found out I watched Last night or the night before, something like I watched like the first episode of season three, mm-hmm. and then just told yeah I need to go back and rewatch the whole yeah. season two. I won't spoil too much, but there's some really like like horrible stuff that happens to Gretchen, and as a result of Gretchen going through a depressed episode, and it's really harsh. But at the same time, it's such a sort of like character development moment for like everyone mm. around her and uh, at the end of series two like because me and rich we, when we went back to it we sort of blitzed the two seasons in like about two weeks uh, yeah it's just it's one of those programs where they are all souls, but they're still very human <laughs> yeah like yeah. they're obviously just very flawed people like because like as a contrast I, I also watch a show called difficult people i don't know if you've seen no I've not that seen it's got um julie i want to say her name's julie klausner and billy eichner in it um i only started watching it because billy eichner does a show called billy on the streets which is ridiculous and makes me like cry laughing and it's basically a show about arsehole trying to make it in comedy i think they're in look yeah, it's a bit alright. But they are like actually always straight up assholes. And the the only thing that keeps me watching that show is that the humour is actually like so funny that I can look past the fact that they're both massive bellends and yeah. don't deserve any <laughs> level of fame like whatsoever. Um like she treats her husband in it like absolute garbage. Like every time they're together I'm like, Why are you still with her? Like you're so nice. But it's funny enough to keep me coming back, whereas with You're the Worst, like, by the end of Series 2, I was so, like, oh, my God, you are actual real people with, like, mm. with like flaws and and problems, and but you're also really funny, <laughs> which helps, because <laughs> otherwise yeah. it would be a massively depressing show. It's so good, though. It is, and again, it's, it's one of those that, um, again, I shouldn't like it at all, mm. but I do, and it, I think, again, it's another one of those where it's just so well, if it was just kind of, those guys just being dickheads, and they were just kind of just doing the most typical thing they could think of, it wouldn't work, but it is so well written and so well crafted and, and so well performed, you kind of see yourself, you've got the worst aspects of yourself reflected in them and sort of kind of writ large and that kind of stuff, I mean, there's a bit, again, it's a stupid little thing, but there's, in the first episode of season three, there's a running... I think it's in the first episode or the first couple of episodes. There's a running gag about the... the oh, I can't think of the guy's name again now. He finds out that the girl doesn't wash her legs. Yes. And it's just a bizarre little revelation. It's just, why would I want to wash my legs? Well, I was supposed to just like bend over and like wash my legs. Legs. You know, water runs down. Rich turned round to me as we were watching that and said, do you wash your legs? And I said, well, not every time I'm in the shower. <laughs> like, I, just, I don't think they need washing for some reason, but, like, my legs don't get dirty, do they, really? And, you know, you're standing in the shower, water's running down and it's fine. <laughs> I, just, I just thought that was such a beautiful little moment. And just such a real little moment as well that he finds out that, and then he was like, I mean, then he kind of spins off into stuff like, well, what else do I know? Don't I know about you and all that kind of stuff? But I just thought that revelation of that she doesn't wash her legs, and then it comes back like at the next episode or something. Mm-hmm. He uses it, he like shames her with it. Well, she never washes her legs, and but she, and she's quite, you know, kind of like, well, you know. And I thought well, that's you don't kind of get that kind of 
that, that, that dirty habit kind of thing that you know the, the nasty little thing that everybody kind of does whatever it might be like not washing legs or you know, picking your nose or whatever that it's just kind of just it's there and it's just acknowledged and going yeah it's 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 part of you know every, nobody's like people on tv you know they're just they're saying like you know nobody on tv ever walks into a room and catches their sleeve on like a door handle or nobody yeah. ever walks in and walks upstairs and forgets why they're there but yeah real people do that and it was mm-hmm. nice to see have something like that kind of put on screen really you kind of go oh that and it just it does make them human and much more like relatable and likable whereas if you just judge them on how they treated people around them then they wouldn't be you, you wouldn't accept it so much and plus, plus because they're both awful they kind of reflect off each other and bounce off each other and it kind of it's almost like yeah it's okay because they're both shit if one was being shit to the other one and they were okay then that would that would you wouldn't be able to take it but because they're both shitty in equal measure and it just kind of escalates and they're kind of their friends are kind of dickish as well i mean they're kind of like the best friend character the girl uh, friend oh, gosh yeah it's kind of like my favorite because she's she's so phenomenally shallow mm-hmm. and awful but she's like utterly adorable because she's there's no kind of fakeness about her at all yeah. it's just there and she doesn't hide anything it's just she's also like just completely honest plus she's got nice knockers as well which are, she really has yeah oops. They're really quite spe- spectacular. The thing I like about that show as well is that they all have reasons for being the way that they are. Like, I hate when shows just have, this character is an arrogant asshole, and that's all they are. Like, yeah. like, like Jimmy is incredibly arrogant, but you can see that actually, like, I can't remember if this happens in episode one of... I can't remember which series it is, but basically Jimmy gets a, a he's a he's a writer and he gets a book deal and he's so phenomenally happy about it because he's like, I am great and I deserve to have all the books and you know, look at me, living the dream, aren't I wonderful? And um, you really he believes about himself. Then one of his friends reads the the book and suggests that there might need some changes. And he right. Yeah, he gives him notes. That's yeah, it. yeah. And he 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 pretends like he's fine with it. Like, no, do you know what? It's already gone off to the publishers. It's fine. It doesn't need touching. And then he just immediately gets really het up about what could possibly be wrong with this book? Like, what? Mm. Where has he gone wrong? And he gets, he gets all up in his head about it. It's really clear that he's actually very insecure and yeah. sort of, and sort of projects this air of arrogance and confidence as like a buffer to the world. It's a really like human thing to do. It's like yeah. you tend to find a lot of people who suffer from depression are very, very funny because they don't yeah. want everybody to know about it. And yeah. so they do this sort of class clown thing to sort of project the image of being a happy, jolly, life of the party thing. So they don't want people to know that deep down they didn't want to get dressed today and it was like a right effort to yeah. exist. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's, there's another bit as well. I think it might have been at the end of, again, episode one with the with the, the best friend character who's, who finds out she's pregnant, so she gets back with her ex. Mm-hmm. And, kind of, and he's kind of really kind of, ultra adorable and nice and supportive and all this kind of stuff. And he's got like the perfect life planned out for them and they're going to have to make sacrifices for the baby and all this kind of stuff. And she kind of thinks that's what she wants. And then she has like a breakdown while she's cooking dinner and stabs him. <laughs> and it's and it sounds horrible and it is horrible and shocking, but it's also kind of weirdly funny because she just kind of just casually just kind of, stabs him mm-hmm. and it's it's like so 
bizarre. And then, obviously, you know, thankfully he survives and yada, yada. And then they, they get some more comedy uh, kind of fuel out of that over the next couple of episodes. But it, but it also, although it was shocking and, and horrific, it was it also felt really kind of real to me mm-hmm. that she was just couldn't accept like the change. It's all of a sudden the changes in her life and what she was going through and the way her life was going to be different uh, just became too much for her all of a sudden. And in that in that period in that like little kind of well, I don't two minute scene or something, you could see her actually literally go through a breakdown and just snap within that you know. And it was it was just like a, a brilliant bizarre almost unwatchable little moment mm. uh, that you felt it escalate and then really, and you, and you felt her kind of anxiety build the way it was shot was just really cleverly done. But yeah, it was, yeah, it, it, it is just a really great show. And again, another one I wouldn't have thought would have been my cup of tea at all, mm-hmm. but it, it but it, it's just done so well. So, and I'm surprised it, it, it I guess it must've been quite successful for, for it to have like a third season. Yeah, it is just a really good show. And again, one that no bugger seems to have heard of. It's, it's yeah, the word needs to get out of it a bit, really. And, it, and it's hard one to describe because you describe it to somebody. Oh, it's about like a, an English guy living in America who's a writer and struggling to write his second book. And he falls in love or he meets a kind of self-destructive kind of, is she like an agent, like a, a, a music agent or a PR? Yeah, it looks like something along those lines. You don't yeah, actually so really know what she does, but she hangs out with musicians a lot. <laughs> yeah, said, yeah, she's out in studios a lot. And they kind of meet, and they're equally awful. So they kind of click. And, oh, by the way, his ex, did you realise the actress who plays his ex uh, was the voice of Cora in the... Um, oh, is that... Legend of Cora. Janet Varney? He, uh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. She's very tall. Yeah, she's not. It, this is this is weird when you, when you see people who do... I mean, you're like a, a total voice actor kind Groupie. of groupie. Yeah. So... But I'm a little bit. But it is sometimes when you see what they're like, you know, that's not what... And then you realise they don't look like what you think they look like because you kind of just assumed they look like the cartoon character. (laughs) I was going to (laughs) say, the first time I saw H. John Benjamin, I was like, that's not Archer. (laughs) (laughs) That is is, so great to show somebody who loves that show what he looks like and the denial in their eyes when they see him. It's just brilliant. So it's kind of a mean thing to do. They go, that's Archer. And they go, no! Because he, he doesn't look like what you expect him to look like at all. Not at all. Yeah, had we, we finished talking about that? Have uh, we done? Uh, I maybe. I, I'm just looking at the fact that we're knocking on for two hours and I still haven't talked about the big thing. Um, okay, you, so I'm, well, I'm going to make the big thing a small thing because I might do a bit of a sort of special on it at some point because um, Luke Foster has recently watched all two series of it as well, and so we might both have lots of things to say. Um, (laughs) But basically, um, I think I mentioned it last time when talking to she who I won't name again because it's just getting ridiculous now. She spoke to me about what Charity Falls, which is two season uh, Disney show that I think it started in twenty like late twenty twelve, mm. um, and the scheduling was really iffy on it, and so it didn't finish until February this year. And uh, like I've caught the odd bits and bobs of episodes here and there, and thought mm. it seemed good, but it was never airing in order, and I'd heard that it was very continuity heavy, yeah. and I needed to watch it in order. So I finally bit the bullet and just obtained it 
it's taken us maybe two weeks to watch. I watched 12 episodes yesterday. <laughs> that uh, treat to myself. It's amazing. Man, was your, was your head, but I did that with the, 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 the Avengers, not the, the recent Avengers cartoon, the one before it, the mm. Earth's Mightiest Heroes. I ended up plowing through a whole season in a day. And at the end of that, my head was just buzzing. Honestly, I couldn't sleep last night. It was so good that I booked today off work as well because uh, I didn't want that going back to work feeling on the evening of my birthday. I booked yeah. that as well. Um, but I'm glad I did. I couldn't get sleep in ages because I was thinking about things. And then I had a little nightmare, but I'll get there. Um, <laughs> basically, Gravity Falls is about two 12-year-old twins called Dipper and Mabel Pines who go to visit their great-uncle Stan for the summer. Um, and he lives in this weird little town called Gravity Falls. And uh, their, their great-uncle runs... Uh, they call him Grunkle, which I think is adorable, Grunkle Stan. He runs a sort of... It's called the Mystery Shack. It's basically uh, a little tiny shop slash museum of weird, weird things that you can come and look at because, ooh, isn't Gravity Falls weird? Except they're all a total scam. Like, he's just, like, taxidermied a fucking squirrel's arse onto a fish head and called it a mystical thing. But the whole show is based around the twins find... Well, the boy twin, Dipper, finds a journal, uh, which is labelled number three, and it has a six-fingered hand on the cover. And it's about a lot of the weird stuff that happens in Gravity Falls. So there's, like, Mm. weird monsters and, like, gnomes and stuff. And the twins run into these things. And series one isn't as continuity-heavy as I thought it was going to be. But it's really good. It introduces you to a lot of the characters and a lot of the sort of, like... It's got a bit of a sort of Monster of the Week kind of um, feel to it. Mm. Series two, like, knocks it into 12th gear and I almost die. Like, like we, we we trotted through series one over the space of, like, a week and a bit and there were, like, 22 episodes a series, I think. Yeah. Series two, we've blitzed through in the last, like, three days. Because, <laughs> because, like, as soon as you start watching series two, like, everything just changes and... Mm. Like, the humour is the same. The thing that I love about it is is the girl twin, Mabel, is like me when I was a kid. She's, like, ludicrously excited about things and she makes... She does really stupid stuff and she's really silly and she's really funny. And she's also scared of old-timey stop-motion animation, which made me happy <laughs> because so am I. Um, <laughs> and she's just adorable. So she's running around, like like not caring about the mystical stuff that's happening because she's just happy to like run around and have fun and have adventures whereas Dipper is like really trying to find out what the heck is going on in this weird weird town um and the more he delves into it like the more twisty turny it gets and they like learn some stuff about their family and I I don't really want to spoil it but holy cow there's like there's like an episode halfway through series two where something happens and you're just like shit (laughs) you're just like how am I supposed to stop watching it now I've got to put another episode on because ah and then after that you're like oh how am I supposed to stop and it just gets a bit like yeah you just can't turn it off the last three episodes the I don't know how much I want to spoil this it's hard because I really want to tell you about the main villain of the series is a weird little a triangle demon builder who's like a little triangle pyramid thing with one big eye in the middle and has this terrifying voice i can't describe it to you because it's actually a relatively normal voice but it's tinged with so much insanity that it's 
the worst. I don't know how they managed to get this show onto Disney. <laughs> like, <laughs> series two, I'm like, what? Because it is not Disney talk. Like, there's an episode where um, there's a haunted mansion and they go into one room, which is obviously like a trophy room in this mansion, and there's like mounted, like stuffed animal heads on the walls that start bleeding from their eyes and like screaming at people. Oh, and I was like, the fuck is this for a kid's show? Oh, they're bricking it. But anyway, Bill Cipher, terrifying. Uh, I had a little nightmare about Bill Cipher last night. Didn't like it. <laughs> I just didn't... thought you'd been watching too much. Yeah, well, I don't know. I think he's just actually legit that scary. Because the, the thing about Bill Cipher is that he's not just a villain who wants to, like, to. he just wants to win. He's an agent chaos. It's fucking crazy. I got the first episode of Gravity Falls, and I think I literally watched, like, about a minute and thought, oh, no, no, this is just a kid's thing. Mm-hmm. And did, it's not. Didn't, didn't, yeah, didn't pursue with it. <laughs> Because I didn't know, because nobody heard it. was literally, it had just come out that week. And I just, oh, no, this is just a kid's show. And I'm, and I'm really kicking myself for not mm. um, sticking with it. Oh, it seems absolutely my, my right in my Definitely life. get on it. I mean, one of the things that I find amazing about it was, like, for example, at the very end of the very last episode, after all the credits are rolled, and, like, I love the fact that the credits rolled much slower at the very end, so it gave a lot of time to, like, the animators and all the voice actors and everything, because, mm-hmm. like, even going away from the story like the show is gorgeous and and a lot of the voice talent they have i mean one of the creators of it alex hirsch i think his name is mm. does an awful lot of the voices but you wouldn't be able to tell because they're all so fucking di- like he does the voice of i'm pretty sure he does the voice of bill but he also does the voice of a character called seuss and if if you watch it if you just see those two next to each other you would never guess it was the same guy justin roiland does a voice and it sounds exactly like morty <laughs> <laughs> but it, but it's fine. We'll let him off because he's brilliant. But at the end of the credits for the final episode, really briefly, it flashes up with this sort of sepia-toned image of a of a real life statue of Bill, like lodged in some grass. And the code that was in the credits somewhere in that episode, apparently, if you translate that, it, it translates to a location. And if you get to that location, there's another clue, and then you actually find the statue. It's like <laughs> oh, fucking. God amazing like if you look at the hashtag cypher hunt on twitter and stuff you'll find loads of people who found this little statue and took pictures of themselves by it that i will tell you on the internet where it is though because that ruins the fun but yeah. i was just like holy crap it's just there's so much like depth to it and i'm blatantly mm. going to watch it again at some point because i know i'll have missed bits yeah. that i'm going to want to be picking up again on again now it's it's amazing really to see because obviously i mean the whole thing about well we go through a new, a new golden age of television at the minute and I think it's true, yeah. Um, but what I'm thinking, it, what I think is, it's that's going through to like the kids shows as well. You know, like with Adventure Time and this and um, Scooby Doo and the Young Justice as well was another one that was just so well done. And again, it's another one that lasted two seasons and then, oh, don't get me started on why that one was cancelled. That was just ridiculous. But it's just there's just so much good stuff. Uh, and the, again, like the the uh, the Avengers, uh, Earth's Mightiest Heroes series was a fa- again another two season wonder really. I think. And that got, again, that got cancelled because basically the only one that was close to continuity to the movies and stuff like that, which is just... Uh, but um, it, it, it is just phenomenal, the amount of great cartoons that are coming out over the last few years. Um, I mean, again, don't get me started on Adventure Time. I haven't watched any of that. Uh, and I did want to, I thought, well, I'm going to go and because I think you was going on about it and somebody else was going on about it and said how brilliant it was. And I thought, well, I'm going to get the, the box sets. And then they cost a fortune. And then I found out that the first box set has got half two half episodes missing or something because the, oh. the episodes are in two 
some of the episodes or all the episodes are in two halves. Yeah. Like you get two stories. And I said, oh, well, you know, the B episode for such an episode is missing. And then the B story on another one is missing. You think, oh, fuck it. And that just put me off then. If I'm well, not going to get. What's the point of that? Fuck's yeah, I don't know. It's not good. But yeah, I really do need another cartoon to get stuck into. Oh, do Gravity Falls. It's I can't recommend it enough. Like Yeah. Well I'll watch Gravity Falls. If you watch Scooby Doo, Mystery Inc. Okay, I'll try. On that note, I'm gonna have to shut up because it's almost bedtime. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for joining me on the show again, Lee, and saving my bacon by being here for a podcast that I'd almost forgotten to organise. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm always happy to look after your bacon. Don't don't you worry about oh, that. I'm happy thanks. to rescue your bacon it's any that sounds vaguely flirty i'm, I'm not sure why i don't know i don't know what my bacon represents <laughs> i don't well, want to think it too much either i know either. what a bacon strip is but we will not go there no, so anyway thank you for thank you for asking me on it's, it's <laughs> always a pleasure never a chore where can people find you on that there interwebs uh, i am on twitter at uh lovely lee underscore g and that's where i hang out until I can sort my shit out and get myself some kind of blog or a podcast of my own sorted out, which I've been meaning to do for about the last three years. Yeah, come on, man. Get on it. <laughs> if you want to do a talk to me on the internet, the best place is the Twitter. You can find me at Stacey's Parlour. That's Stacey with an E and Parlour with a U. Uh, you can also join the Stacey's Pop Culture Parlour Facebook group or follow at T on Instagram. You can find episodes of the show at popcultureparlour.podbean.com or on iTunes. Please leave me a review if you like the words what I am spouting. And I'm now on Stitcher. I don't really know what that means, but I'm sure it's a good thing. So you can listen to me there if you want as well. And I think think that's it. Oh, the Just Giving page for the live show Alzheimer's Society uh, fundraising beers is still open and it will be open for the next couple of weeks. I think it closes in October. So please do give some dosh to that if you enjoy my ramblings and want to, you know, live in a world without Alzheimer's because it blows. That's at justgiving.com forward slash spcplive2. That's definitely it now. So on that note, bye. Bye bye.